Hi, Emily. Are you okay? Um, yeah. Um, have you seen my marbles, Richard? You what? Um, you know, my marbles. Oh, I thought you had them earlier on. Yes, I did, but I'm not quite sure what I've done with them since then. Oh, huh. do you want to borrow some of mine? That's very kind of you, but it doesn't really work like that, does it? I need to get my own marbles back. Oh, huh. okay. Well, could I perhaps help you to find them? Well, if you do see them, just give me a shout. But mostly, I just need to take some time to go looking for them. Okay. Well, I'll keep my eyes open while you're searching. And if my marbles go missing, maybe you can do the same for me. Definitely. So hello and welcome back to episode three of If It's Hurting, It's Not Working. Yeah, it's the third instalment of our podcast all about work, why we work, how we work and what makes a great job. We're keen to build a self-help community around this podcast. So if you have any thoughts about our episodes, things that worked well in your own career or topics that you'd like us to cover, please contact us via our email, which is ifhurtnotwork at gmx.com. Or you can contact us via Twitter at IfHurtNotWork. Yeah, and look, thanks for, for all of those who've said nice things about our podcast. If you've liked our tweets or the stuff we've done on LinkedIn, some of you have reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, and that's great too. So every one of you, thanks so much for helping to spread the news. It, it's really helped. And you can also contact us via our Instagram page, which is if it's hurting, it's not working. So subjects for this episode, we're going to be covering mental health, primarily around the impact of the pandemic on our working lives. And we'll be looking at the toll that that's taken on our physical and mental health, but then perhaps also how it's caused us to think again about how we work and what it is that we want to do. So I guess in thinking about the pandemic, about the last, what, year and three quarters that we've been through. I mean, each of us has our own story about it. And we'll, I'm sure Emily and I'll come to that in, in the next few minutes. I mean, my main feeling about it is it's been a, a really varied experience, depending on your situation. Mm-hmm. The amount of space you had in your house and whether you had a garden. I mean, I've, I've got a, a decent sized house with a garden, so that's been okay. And your family situation in particular, again, I, I haven't had small children at this stage. My, my daughter's in her teens, so that, that was helpful. But I, I know if you had small children, it was it was pretty tricky. Yeah, I don't know how people did it. We At work, we created a working families network and some of the parents, co-workers out there doing it with two toddlers or children of yeah. young school age, I took my hats off to them. It was hard enough doing it with... a well, when the pandemic hit, my son was in year 10 of school and one of the first things I had to do with him while trying to hold down the job and do that full time was analyse a GCSE poem. I mean, I hadn't done things like that since I was at school and it's changed so much. So, yeah, it definitely made a difference on your family situation at home. And then obviously the sudden removal of our normal support network within 
our working environments, that was gone. All of a sudden, you were no longer sat around with all your colleagues next to you in the office environment or out in the field or wherever your workplace was. You genuinely would find nine times out of ten, you've got co-workers that you would be around. And that support network went. Yes, yes. Alongside, of course, if you had parents that were helping you with stuff or friends again you know the the fact that we were stuck in our our homes and we could maybe talk to those people we could, but they weren't actually helping us with with things they normally would do I, again it was a very strange time yeah and then you've got the situation for people that were self-employed or certain industries like hospitality where they all just completely shut down and it was very surreal i remember it we'd just got back from a week away in center parks and even while we were there in March, we just thought it doesn't quite feel right. We knew that we shouldn't really be there along with everybody else. It was just that sort of strange atmosphere. And then to come back and our workplace were pretty good, weren't they? They shut down a week or so before the government Mm -hmm. enforced the lockdown. But it was just, and you know, we all just left the office thinking, oh, we'll be back in a couple of months. And (laughs) yet (laughs) nearly two years on, normality has not resumed and I don't think it ever will I think we just have new ways of working hybrid working and making it work for us as well as our businesses yes yeah and and I guess thinking more widely about the world of work the way it seems to me is we had this this game of musical chairs we were playing where you know we moved between jobs and careers and everything was relatively easy and then suddenly the music stopped with the pandemic and if you were in the wrong place you know and and your industry shut down or was really severely impacted then that was that was bad news for you whereas if you're doing the sort of job that I do it was a thing that you could do remotely yes I mean it was different and doing it in isolation was was sometimes harder but you know it was something that could be done and, and you weren't you weren't losing out on an income you didn't have a crisis of career at the same time yeah again i'm in the same boat where i could still do my job remotely at the time i was working in finance and i just i had friends and family around me that some were self-employed you know the mm. driving instructor you can't during the first lockdowns and things like that you couldn't go out and work and all mm. of a sudden to have your financial security ripped from underneath you was extremely worrying times and that had a huge toll on a lot of people's mental health Mm. and there's so many out there I can imagine that have just not had that support network of friends and family to go through that journey and it's just caused another epidemic in in the mental health world. Sure I mean and my my niece for instance she had just graduated was just on the point of graduating from a a course in events management which was something that that she'd really wanted to do and she'd had placements during the the degree course she was doing and it was all looking really good and then of course you know that industry sort of folded up around her uh, at the point at which she was looking for a job and don't you know she she has found a job since in in a different field but yeah it, it clearly it was a situation that required people to change what they were thinking about and change what they were doing often in quite drastic ways well, yeah, because you found that the numbers of unemployment increased because, you know, we went all went into the lockdown and furlough came in. And I remember looking back on it now thinking, wouldn't it be nice to be furloughed? 
being paid eighty <laughs> percent of my wage for for three months off. But actually, this, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, is it? You you've still got to cut it. So yeah, you know, yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy time. But we've all managed to stumble through it somehow. And and like you say, your niece there, she's managed to still find employment throughout it all, which is a fantastic outcome to it. Whereas mm. I should imagine there's so many people that are still struggling with that. And hopefully yeah. now with the industry out there looking at jobs and things, it's now a buyer's market again, which is great because it shows yes. that we're, we're recovering and people can see a, a light at the end of the tunnel to that unemployment and redundancies as an output of the furlough where companies just had to cut costs and, and mm. do what they could do to survive. Yes. Yeah, and I recognise what you were saying earlier on there, Emily, about that sense of, of slight envy of people being paid to, to sit at home and do nothing whilst you and I were kind of really busy. I mean, I think certainly in, in my career, I can't remember a busier time, ironically, than this period of the pandemic and, and the amount of, of work that I've been putting in coincidentally, I guess, but but yeah, during that time. But at the same time, I think if I hadn't had that to do, you know, it probably would have been pretty, pretty hard going. I mean, to some extent, having that regularity in your life, having that sense of purpose and, and having yeah. your hours filled with stuff actually focus you, you then on the task that you're doing and you don't think so much about everything else in the world that's much more of a problem because we've we've had nothing to go on have we that no one's ever been in this situation or at least not within living memory so we just didn't know quite what to do no and i think we're still trying to work out what to do sometimes for me the way i coped with it was i just stopped watching the news i couldn't see the stats every day it made mm. me too anxious it was all doom and gloom and yeah, I had to kind of shield that and keep that out so that I could remain positive. When it hit, our situation was we were in our little two up, two down, which we were extremely grateful for anyway, because we had a postage stamp garden, but that was our sanctuary throughout the, because we had such glorious weather as well, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, true. So at the weekends, it was nice just to not have to to rush off to the parents or you've got to go and see these friends and do all of these social gatherings which obviously we all value but sometimes you can just go through life I was finding on reflection of churning it out and turning the cogs and not actually mm. getting much time to just sit and decombobulate from the week that's been so it was nice to be able to do that but to have yourself set next to your partner on your dining table in the middle of your living area and your 14 15 year old son at the time sat upstairs in his bedroom confined to there trying to navigate his way through his GCSE years with very mm. little support from the school because they'd never set it up either yeah so you know the, the impact it's had on our next generation coming up through the ranks as well I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out. It's it's impacted so many people in so many different ways for their future careers as well. Yeah. So I think you, you've made a couple of really important points as we've been talking. So the, the, the first one I think about about mental health and about the impact of the pandemic on that. I think we, we definitely want to pick up on that. And and also, once we've done that, 
how it's a catalyst for change in people's lives and, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that further down the line but I so I suppose picking up the the mental health thing I mean it's I guess it I mean it was a thing that people were starting to talk about anyway but it throughout my life you know which as as you know started earlier than yours it, it just was it was a thing that nobody spoke about particularly at work but hardly talked about anyway mm. and it's such a it's such a hidden thing i mean nobody can see that you're unwell no, no, nobody can see that you're struggling or that you're hurting if you you know if you're good at hiding it you know in the same way that when you got flu or if you break a leg you know it, there's an outward manifestation of it people understand it and and have sympathy but yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, and it's really hard to explain, I guess, to, to someone what you're going through if they can't see it. Yeah, well, you know me quite well, Richard, and you know that I'm one of those that can, can hide it pretty well. But, you know, I'm behind the camera and only on the mic at the moment, so it's a bit easier to talk about. But sort of 16 years ago was my first experience of mental health and going through counselling for a traumatic mm-hmm. time in my childhood. And as I've done that throughout the years, and I'm just actually coming out of another 15 weeks of CBT, it's only through doing those experiences and reaching out for that help that actually the barriers come down and you do find it easier to talk about. And I think it's because that stigma's gone of actually, it's all right, you know, that old saying, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. But actually, that that's true, but it's not okay to be not okay for a very long period of time yeah, because that's when it it becomes unbearable and people can have breakdowns and things and I, I just think that this pandemic has been great for the exposure of the mental health but sometimes I do wonder if it's in the media too much mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a hard balance to be able to strike because the more people are talking about it the more awareness is, is raised which means people can get the help and understand it for themselves. But then equally, I think the other flip side is that it's spoken about so much, you then start questioning, oh, well, maybe that's my traits and maybe that's where I'm been going wrong. Or And you kind of not making up symptoms and assigning them to yourself, but it does make you double take. Do you know what I mean about just questioning whether or not oh, maybe I fall under that category when actually it wasn't a problem before, but now you've got a label for it. You yeah. feel that it is a problem. Do you, do you get what I'm saying, Richard? I, I understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, it, you know, in the same way, I guess, that, that you know, with, with physical ailments, you, you, you start hearing symptoms and you think, oh, I've got that, or, mm-hmm. you know, m- m- maybe, that, maybe that's me. Yeah. Um, and I think th- th- there's also a distinction, isn't there? I mean, I mean all of us, have days from time to time that we find harder or you know when we just feel sort of less enthusiastic about stuff and I mean I I suppose it's all part of that kind of mental health spectrum but I think the thing that 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 you're talking about and the thing that thankfully I have precious little experience of is when it's much more difficult to function it is like you're, you're unable to to do the things that you normally do because you're because you're struggling yeah and I think what is it one in four of us now will experience mental health i'm just having a quick google yeah no it is so it's one in four people experience mental health issues each year so you are one of those fortunate three out of four that don't experience it well well this year yeah this year but probably i mean given that that for me i would say i haven't had a significant 
episode of mental health problems during my life, then I'm incredibly lucky having lived to the age that I have. But that's that's pure luck, I would say. I mean, you know, you, you, it's nothing to be cocky about because it could strike at any moment anyway. Mm. And I think, I mean, I think more than anything, the awareness of of other people suffering from mental health problems. You kind of want to know how how you can help, how you can reach out and help. I mean, in the context of this podcast, I suppose work colleagues, but uh, but I suppose more generally, friends and family too. And sometimes you feel quite powerless to help in those situations because it is a battle of biochemistry rather than anything else. Yeah, and I think with our workplace, they're particularly good. We've got mental health first aiders at work. Everybody can go on the mental health first aid course if they want, and then they've got the option at the end whether or not they want to become a mental health first aider. But even Mm -hmm. if they don't, go in on that course, I found, because I am a mental health first aider and decided to, to become one, but even if I decided not to, that course gives you a really good insight on how to help people. And I'm sure there's probably umpteen number of courses that you can do online to raise your awareness of it and how to help your colleagues and things. But I think it relates to as well, the line management support that you've got within your workplace. I know throughout my career within my current workplace and my previous, they were all fantastic, but there's been times where they didn't have the understanding of why isn't she doing what she's meant to be doing why isn't she speaking to us why is it all shutting down because they didn't have that understanding of the mental health side Mm. and 16 years ago i hadn't experienced it and i didn't know myself what was going on Mm. so i navigated my way through it eventually but it did mean that i changed my employment i moved away from that company because a they weren't getting what they needed out of me but equally i wasn't getting what i needed out of them so I think yeah. if you suffer with that sort of thing, the thing that I would always say is make sure that you're keeping those communications as hard as it might be with your line manager. If you can't do that on a face-to-face basis, you know, go and write it all out and just give it to them over an email so that they can digest it and understand it if you're worried about the the repercussions or the stigma or the judgment or anything there's always more than one way to be able to communicate how you're feeling and that's you know that's through all the therapy that I've done I've learned that there's different tools and techniques that you can use and there's a whole host of information out there that you can reach out to to get the help as well so you're never alone it does depend on the the workplace I think as well in in the working environment how you can cope with it. So, I mean, I guess the the normal response probably of people to that situation is to try and keep on as normal, to, to, to maybe to try and work through it and sort of not respond to it, not to, to take the time that's needed to recover. Mm. Yeah, because you can have that guilt as well of, well, if I'm taking time out of work <laughs> to to go and get myself mentally well, it's really hard to do that because it's different from when you've got say COVID-19 you know you've got symptoms it's a physically visible illness you you don't have the same guilt of going off with the COVID-19 or a flu or tonsillitis or you've broken your leg and that's where the stigma is being broken down slowly but surely being able to take that time out of work to go and get better mentally as well as physically. And I guess 
being a, a thoughtful and sensitive person too, you, you're aware that you're not being in work has an impact on other people. Mm. But at the same time, I think generally colleagues who care about each other would would sooner pick that up if that means that their colleagues going to be better able to to return and, and and pick things up shortly down the line rather than struggle on and, and become more unwell yeah and it might not be necessarily that work is the stress trigger that is causing you to be off work a lot of the time it can be personal which mm. For me as well makes it a bit easier to cope with knowing that actually i know i'm capable of doing my job but right now i just can't do it to the best of my ability because i've got so much going on on the other side of the fence on the work-life balance you know and it, it could be the flip for, for other people that actually there's just too much going on at work so once you take that time off and you you go admit that to yourself that you need to do that then that is, like you say, down to the sensitivity of your line manager and people around you to pick up the baton on your behalf while you're off. And sometimes I think the only way they realise how much you're doing is by not being there. Mm. <laughs> and actually, it gets sometimes the business to refocus and go, not surprised, we've not been keeping our eye on the ball here, that we've been loading far too much on those plates and no wonder they can't keep spinning them. Mm. So, so tell me a bit more then about about stress triggers, because I, I guess what we're saying is that mental health problems could strike at any time, but but they particularly strike, I guess, when you're under some sort of pressure. Yeah, well, I mean, for me recently, I've just come back from being off for a couple of weeks and I had a lot of triggers going on at home. I had, my son was having difficulties. My auntie got COVID, which meant my nan with dementia had to come up and stay with my parents. So there was the worry of that as well. There was works being done at home. There was work as well in the background and all of that worry of everything going on for them. And then having my uncle catch COVID as well for my auntie. It was just, it was that continual, right, okay, so you've got a bucket, right? And if that bucket doesn't have a hole in the bottom and the stress keeps going in and in and on the top, and it's not coming out and flowing, you get mm. to the point where you go, something's got to give. I'm not superwoman. And that's the point. So those are the triggers, I suppose, is where you've got, it's all right if you've got one thing at home going on, you can manage that. And you've got work on the other hand, you can manage that. But as the balance gets all off kilter, that's mm. when the triggers can start. Or it could be that you've lost a loved one or something yeah. like that. And it's like, actually, those those are all the sorts of triggers that you can have. Yes, and, and, and I guess to bring back to the pandemic theme, clearly that has that's provided plenty of additional triggers on top of the of the strains that we already have. Yeah, I think we've all just we're all navigating through it as best we can. But I'd be very surprised if anybody's actually or many people have actually sat back and processed what we've gone through over mm. the last eighteen months, two years. It's just been it's been mental. <laughs> it's been yeah. absolutely crazy, but somehow we're all getting through it. Yeah, and, and whilst I have proclaimed my robust mental health, which which I think it is, nonetheless, I know I know you've seen on a number of occasions. E even so, during the course of the of, of the last eighteen months, there's still been a lot to go through, and it, it, yeah. nobody nobody's been entirely unscathed by it. No, no, definitely not. I know there's there's times where we've caught up. And, and you've been you can you can sense as well can't you with people that you know and your colleagues and your friends and your family when something's not quite right 
and I know you were suffering a bit well since you've we've been, had the the experience in the pandemic you've you shared quite freely with me that you're having trouble sleeping yeah which was something you never experienced before um and yeah. that can impact your mental health quite badly if you're mm. tired all the time and you're busy then there is again only so much you can do before you go i just need to rest <laughs> and mm. recharge those batteries and it's certainly been i think like like you said the busiest period of work during the pandemic for me as well mm. and then obviously there was the physical side of our health as well we'd gone from parking our car up at, in the car park walking into the office walking up to your floor then you know you'd have to walk quite a few meters or so yards however you want to measure it to the toilet then you'd go down to the canteen you break a lot more and then all of a sudden we were doing it at our desks where the toilet was two steps away the kitchen was four steps away you'd log off at the end of the day and you don't go out to the car to get in back into your house yeah. and all of that so i think the physical side as well and especially in the first lockdown where you were only allowed out once a day mm. to be restricted on how far you could go to exercise as well was crazy and i know i certainly gained lockdown pounds and i'm still trying to shed them and i know a lot of people have shared the same experience with me mm. and a lot of people took up the hobby of baking because they had the privilege <laughs> of the time to be in yeah. their homes yeah. where they didn't have to commute and they had more time on their hands and of course all of that had did have an impact on our physical health and i'm sure you probably found the same richard yeah well I, funnily enough i mean work was a fair chunk of my fitness regime so far as it is I mean I I would quite regularly maybe three times a week go out for a longish walk maybe three or four miles at lunchtime you know mm. we, we're fortunate enough to work somewhere where you can go for a long walk you know and, and it'd be pleasant so there was that also the two flights of stairs up to the floor on which I'd normally work even in my 50s, I'm able to run up those steps two at a time. And, and, and again, that's a, that's a good bit of exercise. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say too much in case health and safety is listening, but always in a very responsible and safe manner. Uh, yeah, a good bit of exercise that, that, that I was lacking when working from home. So yeah, I agree that my physical health probably has taken a downturn in the course of the last 18 months too. Yeah, and I think that's the advantage of having long legs for yourself. I'm still yet to, to master going two steps up a, up a staircase quickly wherever I am, let alone in, that, in our office, the fear of falling over. Uh-uh. I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, long levers is what wins the, the prize there. So yeah, look, we all have things that we are designed to do well. And yeah, I don't have many, but that's one of mine. <laughs> So I guess there's a few things we've talked about, about how the pandemic's been a catalyst in our lives for difficult things or for, or for tricky situations. But I guess we can also say that that opportunity that it's given for us to reassess our lives and reassess what's important to us has also led to a number of people, and I know that you're one of them, Emily, you know, looking at what you're doing and saying, actually, I'm not sure that this is what I want to do with my life and, and maybe I want to try something different. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would say I'm glad we've had the pandemic because, but nonetheless, given that it's been a thing that's in our lives, this is another thing that we've seen coming out of it. Yeah, and I do believe that everything happens for a reason. For me, my journey, I was working in finance. We did a lot with our representative board 
through the pandemic and then redundancies and just that inherent need for me to want to help people while I could perform and do that within finance because I was helping produce the figures and was Mm. part of that conveyor belt I actually identified that I wanted to help people more on a one-to-one basis and help their teams and that's why I took the opportunity when I got put at risk of redundancy to jump the fence and go and work in in the field of HR and I've seen social media a lot of people have been forced to rethink where they're going with their careers you know you've got people that were maybe hairdressers or driving instructors or any number of the industries that had to shut down in hospitality that have Mm. turned their hands to a different career and have completely changed it around started their own businesses and it's worked really well for them yeah yeah and and i guess one of the things that often happens in our lives is we get into a pattern we get into a routine and we do similar things at similar times during the day, the week, the month, the year. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I certainly got into a routine in my late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of thinking going on. I was just repeating the same pattern again and again. And I think it's, it is healthy for us to stop and think and consider. You know, it, 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 it's in the premise of our podcast that it, mm-hmm. your working week is an awful lot of your life. If, you, if you're not really enthusiastic about it, if it's not what you want to be doing with your life, it's a lot of effort to put in to achieve nothing very much. So, so I think it is important that, that we think about these things and think about what it is we want to, to accomplish. And we won't always manage to do what it is we want to accomplish. But the, the more, I guess, we focus on it and think about it, the, the better the opportunities are. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to swallow that brave pill because I know I found it in certain periods of my life, in my career, where... I like what I do. It's getting a bit mundane and boring though. I can do it with my hands tied behind my back and I know I should change and push myself to the next thing. And that can actually be quite scary and daunting. Mm -hmm. So as you know, sometimes it is about taking that brave pill and going, okay, I need to take a chance on this. I've got one life to live. Let's go and do it to the best of our abilities. And yeah, so it's just sometimes about taking that leap of faith isn't it to to either change your job or your career Mm. and as you mentioned earlier on one one of the surprising but but I suppose good things on a personal point of view is that the the job market coming out of the pandemic actually seems to be a buyer's market It, it very much depends I suppose what skills you have but it does seem that in a lot of areas people are looking to recruit and they can't find as many candidates as, as, as they're looking for. They don't, or they don't have that many candidates for each role. So so I think it's probably as good a time as there's been if you do feel a sense of, of, of dissatisfaction in your career to be thinking about what it is that, that might solve that for you. Yeah, definitely. It's certainly an opportunity out there at the moment to, to reevaluate and I'd encourage anybody to do it. I've, I've done it quite a few times throughout my my work in life and you know if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out you've always got what you used to do to to go back on but it's about I think falling forward and finding actually it's not a backward step if it hasn't worked out it's okay because you need sometimes to fail to be able to grow yes yes and in my own case although I've stayed in a in a fairly similar line to what I was already doing. I've I've taken a step in a slightly different direction. I, I think it's I think it's important always to keep trying new things out. 
because yeah, I mean the the end of your working career will come eventually, and I guess if you haven't given something a go, you might always wonder how it would have been or, or what you could have done. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this podcast and we hope you've enjoyed it. And I appreciate that mental health can sometimes be quite a difficult subject to cover. And hopefully we've covered it from a good angle on the working side of things. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do go and rate our podcast and leave reviews in places like Apple Podcast and Podchaser. And as we've said before, look, if, if you like it, then then please tell people, please tell your family, tell your friends, tell your colleagues and your neighbours, because we need that exposure. But if you didn't like it, don't tell a soul. We've had one disappointing review and, you know, I mean, nobody likes to read it. So look, if if you don't like it, that's fine. You know, we're, we're big enough to take it. But at the same time, why not keep it to yourself? Yeah, if you can't say anything nice, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> and I'm glad I haven't seen that disappointing review because I'd probably take it too personally. <laughs> I'll just shield myself from that and my mental health. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you, you do that. I also wanted to say very briefly, again, thanks to Be Garrido for the graphic that you produced that uh, goes with this podcast. If you're listening, if you've seen that that graphic and you think, oh, that's rather good, then get hold of B. She's at B Garrido and, and, and that's in the, the show notes. And, you know, she's she's a working artist. You can commission something from her. Yeah, definitely. She's she's done a great job for us, even with all of our tweaks and changes that we wanted to make. So thank you very much, B. <laughs> yeah. OK, we'll be back soon and you can expect to hear from us about once a month. Yeah, yeah. So we'll look forward to speaking to you again in December. Okie dokie. Bye for now. Yeah, and then you've got the the um. Well, it's because I'm reading it, and I just stopped reading it. So we'll look forward to speaking to you again in November. No, December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what am I trying to say? No, that's not working. Okay, we'll be back soon, and you can expect. Sorry, I'll, I'll I'll shut up and let you talk. So hello, and welcome back to episode three of If It's Not. Oh, why am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> if it's hurting, it's not working. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to episode three of If It's. <laughs> okay. It's because I can see the email address saying if yes. hurt, not work. Right. Yeah. If it's hurting, it's not working. <laughs>